The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Praise the Lord. God's favorite house, praise the Lord. So today we are um, looking at what we've titled Battle Ready. And it's something that, I mean, it's a word that has been impressed upon my heart for, for a bit. And um, I pray that God will breathe upon us himself. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we ask that you breathe upon your church. Breathe upon us today. Open our eyes to see as we ought to see. Challenge us, O God. Stretch us. Build our faith. Let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Battle ready. Proverbs 21, 31 is our text. Proverbs 21, 31. It says that the earth is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. The earth is prepared. For the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. The ESV translation puts it this way: it says the earth is made ready for the day of battle. It says, but victory belongs to the Lord. There's a constant tension between how the Western Christians are being challenged to think and how the Christians in the developing nations are being challenged. To think. The Christians in the developing nations are being challenged to, to think and to, to move away from the fact that you can just pray. And the Christians, those of us in developing nations, we are being challenged that look, beyond prayer, you need to work. Beyond prayer, you need to have excellence. Beyond prayer, you need to have diligence. You need to build systems beyond prayer. And that is that is legitimate. However, if you Go to the Western world, you put on Christian radio, you hear a lot of the Christians in the Western world being encouraged to depend on God, that without God, they can do nothing. You know, the Christians in developing nations, you, you know, we, we know that we can, without God, we can do nothing. And that can be a challenge sometimes because you think, oh, I mean, without God, I can do nothing. So I might well do nothing and let God do everything, you know. <laughs> you know, and that is usually the problem of the Christians in developed nations. Whereas the Christians in the developed nations have a tendency of relying too much on themselves or on themselves and just thinking, well, I don't really need God. I don't really need the supernatural. You know, I, I can put on my tap. Water is running. I don't need faith for power to be on. I don't, I mean, the, the roads are good, you know. However, God has not called us to be one or the other. God wants us to understand that without him, we are nothing. And there are things he will not do for us that we have to do for ourselves. I think it was St. Augustine that said that you pray as if everything depends on God. And you walk as if everything depends on you. So, that is the harmony that we have to bring to bear. You know, someone said that the, the nation of Israel is building sophisticated weapons to defeat their enemies. 
and African nations are looking up to the God of Israel. You know, it's just a contradiction. You know, the nation of Israel itself today has, I mean, one of the most sophisticated espionage system on earth. Spying system, attacking system, military systems. But the nations of Africa are praying to the God of Israel to, to defend us. I mean, so, so I mean, what, where, where do we, is there a balance? I should there be a balance? Is there harmony? And that is where we are looking at. Not the balance, but the harmony of where we can understand that we cannot do God's part and God will not do our part. While, like the African Christian, we can trust God for everything. And like the Western Christian, we can take responsibility for everything at the same time, at least for the things that God wants us to take responsibility for. So, there's nothing wrong with planning, with systems, there's nothing wrong with faith, and with prayer. Anyone that says you've prayed enough does not understand prayer. Anyone that says you've worked enough does not understand the nature of work. The two must come together. God has not called us to strike a balance. God has called us to work in harmony. So we have the principle of Jesus and the person of Jesus. The principle of Jesus will make you prosperous on earth, but it is the person of Jesus that will make you admitted in heaven. So your relationship with the person of Jesus will guarantee your salvation in heaven. But your operating of the principles of Jesus will guarantee your success here on earth. So you can have the person of Jesus and suffer on earth. And you can have the principles of Jesus and go to hell. God has not asked us to strike a balance. God has asked us to bring them together in harmony. So that on earth we are formidable. We are indestructible. We are prosperous. We are powerful. We are great. And in heaven, we are present. Hallelujah. So, in other words, God wants us to be battle ready. God wants us to be battle ready. So, in Proverbs 21, verse 31, back to our text, it says, The horse is made ready. For the day of battle. It says, but victory belongs to the Lord. The MSG translation, I mean, it, it, and that is where we're going to begin to unpack it from. I mean, today, it says that do your best and prepare for the worst. So the word ready for battle means two things. It means do your best and prepare for the worst. So, you are ready for battle when you do your best, when you expect the best, and you also prepare for the worst. So, if you don't expect the best or do your best, you are not ready for battle. If you do your best and you don't expect the worst, you are not ready for the worst, you are not ready for battle. If you are ready for the worst and you don't do your best, you are not ready for battle. Amazing. So, God is saying, do your best. Prepare for the worst. Then, everybody say then. 
I can't hear you say then. <laughs> then trust God to bring the victory. Isn't the word of God amazing? God is bringing together the two worlds and He's saying, Do your best and prepare for the worst. Then trust God to bring the victory. Work for the best. Prepare for the worst. Trust God to bring the victory. So let's start with work for the best. Expect the best. What does that mean in biblical terms? It means to have faith. You expect the best. When you expect the best, simply means to have faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. We expect the best. Are you putting in a proposal? Expect the best. Are you trusting God for the fruit of the womb? Are you trusting God to complete that project? Expect the best. That is faith. And as you walk out of church today, expect the best. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. So when we expect the best, we have an assurance of the things that we cannot see. So that is the first part. Work for the best. No, was our faith. The second part is plan for the worst. What does planning for the worst mean in biblical terms? It means operating wisdom. Operating wisdom. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. Plan for the worst. Operate in wisdom. Expect the best. Plan for the worst. Proverbs 22 verse 3 says to us, Proverbs 22 3 says, Sensible people will see trouble coming and avoid it. it. says, but the unthinking person will walk right into it and regret it later. What has been the story of your life? Sensible, wise, that sees trouble and avoid it, or unthinking and foolish that walks straight into trouble only to regret it later. Is your life filled with, oh, and I don't, oh, I'm sorry. You are always apologizing. Apologizing to yourself, apologizing to your spouse, apologizing to your children. You need to get out of that cycle today in the name of Jesus. The voice translation says, prudent people see trouble coming and hide. It is wisdom to hide when necessary. It's not weakness. It's wisdom to actually hide when necessary. Prudent people see trouble and hide. Says, but the naive walk right into it and take a beating. Have you been taking a beating in your life? This day, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, it will come to an end. Because you are going to embrace the wisdom of heaven. The foolish walk into trouble and get whooped. They get a serious beating. But see, when we look at our lives, we are usually one or the other. We are usually expecting the best people. <laughs> or we're planning for the worst person. So, think about your life. What, what, where... Where is your bent? Are you bent towards expecting the best? Are you always expecting the best, not planning for the worst? Sometimes some of us, we are always planning for the worst and not expecting the best. Not expecting anything from life. Expecting the best things from life. So, we expecting the best people, for instance, they always build castles in the skies. They always have a flamboyant vision. 
when you ask them, okay, so what can go wrong with this plan? Oh, no, no, nothing can go wrong. I have thought through it. Nothing can. Listen, there is no plan that nothing can go wrong. Oh, no, no, there's not. So when someone sits before me and they have a, maybe a business plan, a project proposal, whatever, you know, and, and I ask the question, what can go wrong? And they say, oh, there's nothing. Oh, I've seen all the gaps. Mm. And I plug this. Mm. I just say, hmm. Ayah. You know, if you were <laughs> free gift, they're going to be with us next week. You know, I mean, if you were the last free gift, you understand what that joke. Mm. Ayah. So, there's nothing like that. Also, if you are <laughs> the expecting the worst person, you have a spreadsheet of all the problems that can ever happen in the world. It's in your spreadsheet. You know, you are not always expecting the best out of life. When there's a plan, you're always the one that you see all the problems. You know, that's another extreme. Interestingly, interestingly, <laughs> sometimes, many times, expecting the best, hoping for the best person, marries a planning for the worst kind of person. Ah, you know what that means. So the things that look as if it is uh, it's complimentary, oh, this is a guy is expecting the best, the lady is planning for the worst, they come together, you discover if they don't grow, they don't hear a message like this and grow, it actually becomes a problem because it tears them apart. But God wants you to grow. God wants you to grow. So that's, that's one scenario. If, if the expecting the best, hoping for the best person, also marries a hoping for the best person, <laughs> trouble. Or if a planning for the worst, married a planning for the worst, another trouble. So regardless, eventually there'll be trouble. So, Pastor, what is the solution? Solution is God wants us to grow each individual to grow in these two areas, to grow in expecting the best out of life, hoping for the best, and planning for the worst. You can have strength, but you must have the two. So when you bring the two to the table, and the other person brings their two to the table, it's stronger. And powerful so God wants us to be both so that we can have margin in our lives and you see that is where that's what actually creates margin in any life in any project in any area of life when you expect the best you plan for the worst you actually have margin you have margin and we're going to go through all the areas of life and we're going to see how it actually creates margin margin having margin actually creates space I've imagined in your time, you have time to do the great things that God wants you to do in your life. Some of us, we don't have margin in our, in, our, in our time. I've imagined in your relationships, you're actually able to connect to the right people and actually enjoy the most important relationships of your life. I've imagined in your finances, for instance, you, you are not going from payment to payment, from debt to debt, from busy to busy. You actually have margin. You have cash. You can take opportunities as they come. Margin. Unbelievable. So, there are three takeaways that we're going to look at today. Three takeaways. 
to be battle ready. The first is this. Let God be God. Let God be God. Regardless of where you are. Whether you are motivated to the person of Jesus. You always like, always like to have devotion, praying, worship, prayer, 24 hours a day. You know, it's as if there should be no work. <laughs> you know, or you are a principal of Jesus person. You just want to close that deal, move on to that next business, get that uh, promotion, get things done. And prayer seems to be an interruption. Worship, fellowship seems to be an interruption. Like I said, God wants you to have a harmony of the two lives. And for that to happen, you must let God be God. Let God be God. So if it's time to pray, you pray. If it's time to fellowship, you fellowship. If it's time to walk, you walk. If it's time to walk, you walk. You walk. So stop pretending to be God. In fact, one of the things that's, I mean, really helped me years ago, and I've shared it several times, is that, you know, I stand in front of the mirror because as a pastor, I mean, you, are, you get pulled in different directions, you know, and if you're not careful, you lose all the margins of your life. And of course, you don't need to be a pastor to, to be pulled in different directions. If you're in Lagos, <laughs> you're pulled in different directions, whatever city you're in, in the world, you're pulled in different directions. And, and you see, the, the, the truth is, I stand in front of the mirror and I say to myself, God is God and I am not. It's very liberating. Look at myself in the mirror. Say, Femi, you are not God. Uh, Cast off everybody's problem. You, I mean, the only person that needs to be there is Jesus. Yes, yeah, so you can send your prayers. You can pray. You can fast. You can do what you have to do. But the final analysis, God is God. And you are not. <sighs> Very liberating. So let God be God. Let God be God. Let God do what only he can do. Genesis 3, 5. The challenge from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve was they were trying to be God. They were trying to be God. And the, 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 the temptation that Satan used for Eve, it says, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God. It's just crazy because we are already created in God's image. Eve was already, and Adam were already in the image of God. So, Satan tried to sell them what they already have. So, Pastor, are you saying we are gods? God said so, but we are not God. There's only one God. We are its children, so we have this image, but there is only one God. And guess what? It's not you. It's not you. Well, I want to look at your neighbor and say, say to them, come on, come on, do it. Look at your neighbor. Say to them, God is God and it's not you. <laughs> Matthew 23 verse 12 says to us, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I pray in the name of Jesus that as you humble your hearts before God, God himself will exalt you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Every form of stress in your life will be diffused. You will live a stress-free life. Totally stress-free in the mighty name of Jesus. So, to be battle-ready, take away number one. We said, let God be God. 
take away number two for you to be battle ready and this way we're going to spend some time is that we should have faith and walk in wisdom and that's the crux of of this whole thing everything is so important but this is at the heart of it you should have faith and walk in wisdom in other words expect the best and plan for the worst expect the best and plan for the worst god wants us to both expect the best and plan for the worst so that we can have margin like we said earlier on in our lives and like we said having margin creates space for all the things that god wants to do in your life all the great things listen god wants to do great things in your life amazingly great things in your life but having margin in your life gives that space for heaven to move in and make things happen so if you look at the different areas of life there are eight of them that mainly that we we talk about at dust from the house but we're gonna look at five areas of life or major areas of life today and we're going to see how we can create margin we can have faith and we can work in wisdom the first aspect of life is in your finances it's in your money so how do you create margin how do you have faith and work in wisdom how do you expect the best and plan for the worst the first is in the money area in the finances area and why what i want to push forward really is invest your money invest your money invest your money and to invest your money you need to work for or expect the best and plan for the worst so there's, a, there's an investment before you expect the best work towards the best but also plan for the worst if this thing bellies up what's going to happen to me if 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 this investment goes sour what's going to happen to abc so expect the best and plan for the worst proverbs 2120 the living translation proverbs 2120 says the wise man saves for the future but the foolish man spends whatever he gets if you spend everything you get you're a foolish man i mean that's what the bible says i didn't call you foolish the bible says you're a foolish man if you spend everything you get you are a foolish man that's what the bible says okay you're a foolish woman if you spend everything you get okay the argument is usually pastor and I, I earn so little the bible did not say you are a foolish man if you only spend everything you earn if it's a lot the, the bible didn't say that everything you earn if it's one cobble if you spend everything you foolish man if you if you earn ten thousand a month if you spend everything you foolish man if you if you earn ten thousand dollars a month if you spend everything, you foolish man. If you earn ten million dollars a month and you spend everything, you foolish man. Oh, you can sit down there and say, "Our oh, pastor, if I earn ten million dollars a month, there is no way I will spend everything." Listen, listen, listen carefully. 
if you can spend everything, any 10,000 naira a month, you will spend everything, any 10 million dollars a month. You will, because your appetite is your appetite. The bad habit is the bad habit. Not having the correct habit is not having the correct habit. So if you look at yourself, you don't have the savings, you don't have no invest, nothing. You are just living and trusting and living by faith. Something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that. Regardless of how much you earn. <laughs> you know, when I need to have conversations with people about finances and you know, the first thing I ask for, okay, you want you want me to help you to um, be five naira. The first thing I ask for is how much do you have? You know, if you've had that conversation, you know that's the first thing I ask. How much do you have? Oh, your wife just gave birth. She gave birth to twins. You need to pay for the hospital bill. How much do you have? Say, oh, Pastor, I don't have anything. Excuse me. Pregnancy is not an accident. Nine months. You have nine months to plan. Month one to month nine. If you're a wise man, you may not have everything, but you will have something. Praise the name of the Lord. And that's what the word of God says. The wise man saves for the future. But the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Whatever means whatever. No matter how large, no matter how small. Whatever. But God's wisdom for finances doesn't just include savings and investments. God's wisdom for finances also includes giving. In fact, this is huge because spending without saving is foolishness, like we established. But saving without giving is also foolishness. So, spending without saving and saving without giving are both bad financial plans. Luke 6, 38 says to us, Give and you will receive. The way you give to others is the way God will give to you. I mean, that's, that's amazing. So I can determine how God gives to me by how I give to others. Boom. So what does that mean? What does that mean? How I give to others determines how God gives to me. The measure. So if I give sacrificially to others, if I give sacrificially to God's work, guess what? I'm determining how much God gives to me. If you eat everything you have, you know, the Western world is, is very crazy. Well, I've not abused the system, but it's actually very crazy because they let you eat your future. So you are eating what you have not earned. So it's called buy now, pay later. So you, you have a, a table. They say to you, take the table. No, no, you can go with the table, but you'll be paying. So you carry table, you carry TV, you carry chair, you carry microwave. You ca you, your house is filled with stuff, but you have not earned it. You have not worked for it. But you, you are paying your butt out. Guess what? You can't have leverage. You can't have margin. Because the borrower 
is the servant to the lender. How can you be sitting on a chair that you have not paid for? Shouldn't the boat catch fire? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. It's bad habit, just pure bad habit. Bad financial thinking. So you have to work for the best and plan for the worst. The second area that we need to create margin is with our time. It's with our time. And that is, we need to spend our time wisely. Spend your time wisely. You can't invest your time. You, but you can't spend your time. You, you can only spend your time. You can't invest it. You're you are not going to invest time and get more time. It's not going to happen. Every man has an unlimited time. Paul says, I've finished my course. I've, I'm done. My time is over. I need to go. That was what Paul said. When it was time for Jesus to go, Jesus says, my time is up. Everybody has a time. But the time you have, you can't invest it. I'm going to come back to how we can try to invest it. Up. The, the, the manner of investing of time, but it's not really investing of time because you don't get time back. You can spend your time and spend it wisely. How? By expecting the best and planning for the worst. There's a planning fallacy by um, two guys called Kahneman and, and Versky, and um, they are cognitive scientists. And what, what they said is, is very interesting. They, they, they said, we, we know that our past predictions about how long something will take are overly optimistic, but we are convinced that our current predictions are totally realistic. I mean, that happens to us every time. So what does that mean? That means that um, your project manager, your, 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 your project manager, you know that all your projects, if you say you finish in three weeks, you can never, you don't finish in three weeks. There's nothing is wrong with you. That is how, that's the nature of projects. Right? But your current project, you are so sure you will finish in three weeks. That's how we deceive ourselves. So we, we come up with, with um, a to-do list. We fill our days. Oh, this is what I'm going to do today. This is what I'm going to do today. And we didn't finish it. Meanwhile, the new day, you are jamming it again. And you live frustrated. God wants us to spend our time wisely. You can't be there for everybody. But you can be there for the people that are most important in your life. You can't be there for the whole world, but we can be there for God in fulfilling God's counsel and purpose for your life. Ephesians 5, 16 says to us that making the very most of every time, now this is where it gets interesting with time, you can spend your time by buying up opportunities. That is the secret. So you spend your time to buy opportunities. You buy yourself opportunities because the days are evil. So you are spending your minutes in exchange for opportunities to do good. For those that participated in Everything for 50, for instance, they spent their time to create opportunities to do good and affect people's lives. That is huge. They are going to get a harvest back. In a way that everybody else will be wondering, oh wow, oh wow, oh wow, oh wow. So you are spending your time, your minutes, in exchange for opportunities. 
And the reason we don't have margin is that there are so many opportunities that sometimes we overspend our time. You want to chase this, you want to chase that, you want to chase this, you, want to, you need to stop. What is that one thing that I must focus on that will make a difference in every area of my life? So when we overspend, we are overstressed. If you want to live a stress-free life, you need to check how you spend your time. How you spend your time. Don't act, you can't multiply your time. For instance, you, if you spend your time exercising, you will have bought yourself the opportunity of more energy to do more things. But you spend your time watching the TV. So you get up, you're tired. You're stressed. It doesn't work. What do you spend your time on to create margin? Expect the best, plan for the worst. So number three, first is our finances, second is our time, then we need to create magic. The third is our body. We, I mean, just a good segue with the example we gave. You take care of your body. Expect the best from your body, but plan for the worst. Expect the best. Have, get medical insurance. You know, expect the best. But plan for the worst. Now I was speaking with someone um, yesterday, and I was saying that in, in the part of the world in, in, that I come from, Nigeria, that and our part of the world, that you know, when somebody builds a new house, and you come to sell fire insurance or, or what, what is it called to the person, that oh, God, congratulations! Oh, is this a house? You need insurance in case the house burns down. <laughs> The man we, we, we think they sent you from the village. The man will think you don't have his interest at heart. Now, what should you be thinking? What should you be thinking of devastation? This is a day of rejoicing. God says, expect the best, but also plan for the worst. First Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? It says, you do not belong to yourself, for you, God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. How are you managing your body? When was the last time you went for a medical checkup, a dental you know, examination? When was the last time your eyes were checked? When was the last time? You may say, Pastor, but I have faith. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I believe, you know, that's the problem of, of the uh, <laughs> African Christian. You know, that is in place. But God still expects you to put systems that protect your health in place. Number four, quickly, <laughs> is in our work area. Our work area. God wants you to be diligent in your work. Be diligent in your work. Proverbs 6, 6 to 8, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its fruit at others. The ant works diligently. The ant is a diligent worker. 
totally expects the best. He goes out expecting to find food. He plans for the worst. He goes and stores up his food for, for, for winter. In case of winter, stores up the food. You can't sit there and say, Oh, it's all going to be rosy by the grace of God. Listen, listen. Life is in cycles. Life is in cycles. And I'm sure you've read the book, Winning, Getting a Sustaining Victory in, you know, in the Battles of Life. Life is in cycle. The strongest of us are those that take their best cycle and prepare for the turbulent times because it will come. So what happens is this. Because they are ready for winter, when winter comes, they are still, it appears as if they are still enjoying. So they are enjoying during summer, they are enjoying during winter, and you look at them like, how come these guys don't have a downtime? Are they living in the same world as I am? Yes, they are. They expected the best and made the best out of it, but they've also planned for the worst. Number five, the fifth area, is in our relationships. And that is, how do we do that? By you value your relationships. You value your relationships. I can never, never overemphasize the value of relationships. And, you know, I'm not talking about flaky acquaintances. Yeah, sometimes you meet people, it's not everybody that's your friend. Not everybody that's your friend. It's not a relationship that is, is, is tangible. Some relationships are not tangible. You should still value them, but know that they're not tangible. Okay, I'll give you a story. A five-year-old girl came home and said to the dad, I said to the dad, oh, dad, I'm, I'm in love with one boy, a six-year-old boy. It was the dad that was telling, telling me this story, that she was in love with a six-year-old boy. The dad was like, what do you know about love? You know, and guess ah, I really love him. You know, and dad was trying to say, okay, you know what? Are you not going too far? You know, and little girl said, well, it's too late. I've already given him my heart. <laughs> I gave him my heart already. He has my heart. And the dad said, okay, okay, he has your heart. What's, what's the name of this young boy? And the girl says, well, I don't know his name. I met him at the park. <laughs> so, <laughs> you met him at the park. You've given him your heart and you don't know his name. Sometimes, that's how flaky a lot of our relationships are. But, God wants us to build authentic, genuine, deep relationships and value our relationships. Value our relationships. The amount of progress you will make in life is tied to your relationship. The amount of joy you will have in life is tied to your relationship. The amount of sorrow you have in life is tied to your relationship. How wealthy you become is tied to your relationships. The doors that will open for you is tied to your relationships. So value your relationships. And with relationships also, expect the best and plan for the worst. You know, um, you all know my grandmother, at least from my stories by now. And Mama used to say to us two things, you know, 
She was an illiterate, but they were so wise, it's unbelievable. She used to say to us that you don't suspect the person you are working with. And you don't work with the person that you suspect. Akin Furasi and Tabari. Entabari Aubolofurasi. Get it? So if you've chosen to work with someone, expect the best. Don't work with someone and begin to suspect them. Don't be in a way and begin to suspect them. The person you suspect, don't deal. That's on one hand. <laughs> so, but on the other hand, she would also say that when your friendship is rosy, when you are doing friendship, as I try to interpret it literally, um, remember the day you will fight. Tabashore kama joy jale. In other words, when you find your friend, I say, oh, this friend, you know, you know, it's just made in heaven. You know, my grandmother would advise, plan for the worst. Expect that there may be a fight. So, if you've met someone today and before the person has ended your trust, you've poured your whole life secrets, then you discover that the person is not trustworthy. What do you do? What do you do? Expect the best and plan for the worst. And as you value your relationships, there's a, there's a key, key to relationships. The currency of relationships is love. The currency of relationships is love. You must work in love. You must work from your heart in love. Um, Colossians 3.14 says to us, Colossians 3.14 says, Love is more important than anything else. It is what ties everything completely together value your relationships so number one take away battle ready let god be god number two take away to be battle ready expect the best work in faith plan for the worst that is working wisdom number three is believe that god is working for your best believe that God is working for you. So it's it's it, the, the the scripture we read says the Proverbs twenty one thirty one. Yeah, our text says, "Do your best, prepare for the worst, then trust God to bring victory." So when you've done your best, you've expected the best, you've worked for the best, you are working in faith, you prepare for the worst, you are working in wisdom, then you. It's, it's, it's not enough. Faith, wisdom. Then you have to trust God to bring the victory. You need to step out in faith and trust God that you have what it takes to conquer the mountain. That you have what it takes. That God will bring you the victory. You have to believe. Romans 8, 32. Since he, God, did not spare his own son. Now this is one of, I mean, the most beautiful scriptures, I mean, all, all scriptures are inspired of God and they're beautiful, you know. But this brings so much confidence into me, you know. Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for the sake of us all, then can we not expect that with him 
he will freely give us all his gifts. Wow. So if the most important thing to God is Christ. He gave him up for you and I. So we should expect that there's nothing that we hold back from us. There's no door he cannot open for us. There's no mountain he cannot level for us. There is no river he cannot cross for us. So in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let the doors open of their own accord for you in the name of Jesus. Let the mountains be leveled even right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Let every ocean that is before you part and give way in the mighty name of Jesus. Matthew 7, 11 says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father, your Father in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him. Are you going to ask him today? Are you going to believe God for that great thing? What is that big project that you cannot trust God with? Are you going to trust God with it today? Are you going to ask your Father today? You need to trust that God is in control. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Lamentations 3, 25 to 26 ties this all up beautifully by saying the Lord is good to everyone that trusts him in him. So it is best for us to wait patiently, impatient, to wait for him to save us. The Lord is good. Did he say he's good to a few that trust upon him? To those he likes, to everyone that trusts in him. Your case will not be different. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, as you trust in God, your maker, your king, your father, your God, the light of heaven will flood your path, will flood your life in the mighty name of Jesus. God himself will walk in your favor in the mighty name of Jesus. Everything that you have been stretching your hand to reach, that has been far from your reach today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we release those things in your life now in the mighty name of Jesus. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. I saw that. And, and people that have been stretching their hands, things that have been far away, the God of heaven is releasing them into your life even right now in the name of Jesus. Of Jesus. You will testify to the glory of God. And, you know, just... Be battle ready. Amazing things lies ahead of you. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads to pray. Talk to God about what you've heard.